Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Morning, Allie. Good morning. Good morning, Jen. So you're at the lake house today? Yeah, and so I have my phone ran outside and all that good jazz. Nice. Good work. Good work. So we'll see how see how it holds up. So far, so good. What's going on? Nothing much. Yeah, I, I was talking to my coworkers yesterday. You know, today's a Saturday. We're recording Saturday morning. And they're like, what do you have plans for tomorrow? I was like, clean the house, go grocery shopping? <laughs> 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 they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go here and go there. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. they must be young yeah they are young most of my coworkers are in their late 20s yeah because we're like we're gonna be napping yeah for real that is actually on the plans for today i nap on my (laughs) days off (laughs) i have a story about frederick treese treesh t-r-e-e-s-h What's up with they, you? they, they robbed a adult book video store. Murdered a guy. Oh no! I am going to do Scott Kologi, and he is someone that I actually did an um, an episode on episode thirteen or thirteenth episode, which came out 2018. Weird. Um- that's like, yeah, like a long time ago. Yeah, and the case just concluded. So I was going to go over what I said before, which I was very nervous about because it happened um, New Year's Eve from 2017 to 2018. And I, when I was doing it, he was a minor because he's a minor at the time. They were, they were treating him as a minor. So I wasn't sure if the information I had was correct. And whoo. It was <laughs> because they finally try him as an adult. And so the information becomes available. And I was like really worried that I had gotten a lot of stuff wrong, but I didn't. There you oh, go. Man. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how long it takes? Yes. So yes. I'm working on an update because there is one for the Roden family. Okay. Slaughter. And what that's like six years ago by now, six, seven years. Yeah, and it involves like eight defendants or something. Five, four, four, including the grandmas. No, because the the grandmas. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, they, they they were let off, right? Yeah, they were let off. So, but yeah, it's just absolutely amazing how long something can take. I'm thinking. Yeah, no shit. For God's sakes! All mm-hmm. right, you want to go first, or you want me to? Uh, I'll go first this time. You- yeah, I'll go first this time. Let me just follow up on this. So I am talking about Scott Kologi. It's Kologi. Gee, yep, is what I've finally figured out. Because I, I call him Scott Kologi the whole last time. So sorry about that. So New Year's Eve 2017 to 2018, he murdered four people, three of them being his family members. And the courts are looking to try him as an adult at the time. So I'm reading you. So what I'm reading you right now is the information I originally wrote. And then I'm going to follow up with all the additional information. So at the time he was 16 and the case was part of family court. So 
juvenile courts usually are close to the press, so this case wasn't being treated differently. The judge gagged all the lawyers and associated to the trial. He kept them from talking to the media. The, at the time, the journalists did press for access to the state's Open Public Records Act, looking for 911 calls and police dash cam video saying like, okay, if we can't have the other stuff, can we have this? But they were denied that because they were like, well, we might move it to an, an adult court and we're going to need that later. So the Kologis lived in Long Branch, New Jersey. It's That town's like part of the Jersey Shore. Scott's parents were Stephen, who was 42, and his mother, Linda, who was 44. He has three older siblings, Steve Jr., who's 20, Brittany, who's 18, and then they have another older brother from his father's previous marriage. He was not at the scene at the time. I later learned that his name is Jonathan Ruiz. Now, Scott has autism and a learning disability. He was homeschooled due to bullying in elementary school. And before the murders, Scott was described as both friendly and funny and someone who liked to tell jokes. And everyone that described Scott said that he was a nice kid and he wasn't really aggressive and that that aggression came out of the blue. Now, Brittany, Scott's older sister, had come home from her freshman year in college to spend the holidays with her family. Brittany had been attending Stockton University, which is in New Jersey. And the night of the New Year's Eve, the family was at home with Scott. The Kologis had a guest over, 70-year-old Marianne Schultz. She was a longtime companion to one of Scott's grandparents. Now, Marianne's partner, Adrian Kologi, was also in the house. That's Scott's grandpa. Now, I read two reports that said Marianne lived in the house with the Kologis, and I literally could never find any clarification. So she might have lived there, or she might just have been a long-term acquaintance. As a matter of fact, Scott used to call her Grandma Mary. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, before he killed her. Another family acquaintance who was in her 20s was in the house, but she wasn't further identified. So original reports said on New Year's Eve, minutes before the ball drop, Scott came into his family's room, living room with an AK-47. The gun was legally registered to Scott's father, Stephen. Scott opened fire, killing both his parents, his sister, and his grandpa's companion, Marianne. But then later reports say that not everybody was in the living room and that Scott had walked into different rooms killing his family. Steve Jr. and his grandfather were in the house, along with the unidentified woman, but they escaped harm and they ran from the house. Marianne Schultz, the family friend who was murdered, was a retired woman who had stayed active in her community. She liked being the family historian and acting in the local murder mystery diner theater. And at her funeral, Marianne's friends and family gave her one last standing ovation as her casket was carried out of the funeral home, which I thought was beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's being speculated that the Kologi family was struggling financially. Stephen Jr. had filed for bankruptcy in 2009 after losing his job at the post office where he'd been working for a decade. Recently, he'd been hired as a trucker. Steve Jr. did mention that after his parents' death that they, they always had food to eat, a roof over their head, and that his parents always tried to provide to their children on the holidays. And it's been hypothesized that the ongoing financial strain wore on the family and that it affected Scott's mental health. So I'm scrolling through TikTok, right? And all of a sudden I come up from this um, video from this podcast called Garden State Podcast. And they're like, oh man, this guy killed his family. And they're, you know, and now he's going to get all this time in jail. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Scott Kologi. So I, that's when I realized that the trial's over. So I immediately go to the internet and I read through a couple of law and, cry, law and crime articles. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So Scott's now 20 years old and his defense entered the plea that he's guilty by insanity. And the claim is that Scott had an undiagnosed schizophrenia and that he had a break from reality. Scott's brother, Jonathan Ruiz, the older brother who has a different mom, he testified for the defense saying that his brother had autism and that he displayed the traits of a much younger person. Like he's not, you know, fully capable mentally of, you know, making decisions. Jonathan had visited with his family members shortly before Scott murdered them. So he literally stopped by his family's house with a, um, a girl that was there at the time was his girlfriend, but it's now his wife. They say, all right, we're going to go to a New Year's Eve party. Jonathan and the girlfriend drive off and then Scott kills the family. Scott's brother, Stephen Kologi Jr., who was a survivor of the shooting, he was there at the time, he testified for the prosecution. Stephen Jr. had been in the house during the shooting. He also needed to act as Stephen's legal guardian during questioning as he was Scott's closest adult relative. That's so horrible. It's, it's absolutely awful. I mean, ugh, horrifying. On the recording of the, on the police initial interview, you can see Stephen Jr. is visibly shaking while his brother is like calmly recounting the multiple murders he committed against his family. So, ugh. and in an act of premeditation, so this is what Scott finally tells him. He premeditated this murder. He put on sunglasses and earplugs and like a leather coat for some reason before he began shooting. He waited to ambush his mom from a dark room. So he like turned off the lights, waits in the room, knowing she's going to come up and check on him. And Linda, his mom, as soon as she comes up, he shoots her four times in the head. Steven Sr., his dad, rushes up the stairs to investigate and was shot in the torso. And he turns around to flee and he gets shot in the back. Scott then comes downstairs and he shoots Mary, a family friend, in the torso while she was in the living room. Brittany, his sister, was his final victim. He shot her three times in the head while she sat at the kitchen table. Scott is quoted as saying, here's the quote, when everything was happening, I felt like I was watching it, like watching it like I was further back in my mind. I just kept firing until they like stopped moving, end quote. Scott said he wanted to kill more people, but he saw his grandfather fall to his knees and break down over the death of Mary. So he shoots Mary and the grandfather drops to his knees and is just horrified over what's happened. And that makes Scott feel confused. So he stops his rampage early. The defense attorneys tried to block the jury from seeing the confession video because he is just very calmly, very calmly recounting how he just killed his family members while his brother is, you know, shaking beside him. But the judge deemed it as admissible. So it took the jury less than five hours to convict Scott Kologi of four counts of first degree murder because it's first degree for the premeditation. And he received a 150 year sentence. Wow. Yeah. Uh, at the time, yeah, he was 16. He's 20 now. That's how long it took. And in that, the end, yeah. That's just horrible for families that it takes that long. Yes. But they said there was a lot of, um, back and forth are we going to try him as an adult are we going to try him as a kid you know is he insane they had to do the mental stuff go through the mental health evaluation then covid hit things got pushed back and yeah four years although i just read of a case today that concluded eight years but that was with people trying to like file motions you know what i mean 
Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What you you ready going? for it? I'm ready. All right. Frederick Treesh. I read on ProDeathPenalty.com. It had a story on Frederick stating on August 27th, 1994, he headed from Cleveland, Ohio to Ashtabula, which is in Ohio, okay. with two friends, Keisha Hearth and Benjamin Brooks. Okay. In Ashtaluba, Ashtabula, that one's Ashtabula. a hard one, yeah. <laughs> went went to a hotel room, smoked some crack cocaine, and then went back home to Cleveland. They drove around and picked up a man, Anthony Washington, who would help them get more drugs. They got more drugs. They did those while driving around, and they needed more drugs a few hours later. But they needed money. They didn't have any money to buy any more drugs. And Anthony told Frederick they should go to this adult bookstore, Vine Street News in East Lake. Okay. Frederick and Benjamin came up with a plan to rob the bookstore. They both had guns with them and some duct tape. And they, they decided, oh, they're going to rob it. They're going to restrain everybody with duct tape go get more drugs okay at around 11 30 they entered the store and then they went to the payment counter when frederick pulled out his gun and asked the employee lewis to point to where the security officer who was there was working so i guess they knew that these the store had a security guard oh bold move Right. Lewis directed him to the back room of the store. Frederick went back to get the security officer while Benjamin stayed at the sales counter. When Frederick, by his account, stated he tried to handcuff the security guard with the security guard's handcuffs. Instead of using the duct tape and the security guard, Henry Dupree, struggled. And Frederick's gun went off. Uh oh. Frederick came out of the back. And then Benjamin, who had already got the money out of the cash register. So Benjamin left with the money. Frederick shot twice at Lewis. In a statement, he would claim he wasn't shooting at Lewis, but at the phone behind him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lewis would survive being shot in the jaw and the arm. Henry Dupree would die of two gunshots to the chest. A customer who was hidden in the back of the store and, and a person across the street. So there's one person hiding in the store and one person across the street. Uh Gave the description of the car to the police. Oh, okay. The car was spotted on I-90 and police started to pursue them. This would cause Anthony, who was driving the car, 
to increase speeds, get off the interstate. He's like on residential roads, 60 miles an hour. While Frederick and Benjamin are firing shots at the police. At some point, Anthony lost control of the vehicle and crashed. Frederick and Keisha ran. Benjamin was still in the car and was arrested. And then later, Frederick was found in a nearby garage and arrested. Okay. Now, Keisha and Anthony, at this point, I couldn't find anything on like what, what happened, happened to them. Like, how were they caught? Did Anthony get out of the car? Oh, yeah. They find Keisha. I have no idea. So, at that point, I mean, I know that they were arrested and charged at some point. I just don't know in this moment where the heck the two of them are. Yeah, what happened to them? Yeah, sometimes, like, yeah, if it's not written in a news article somewhere, if someone didn't find that portion newsworthy, it is so hard to get information. Right. Yeah. On August 28th, around 2 a.m., Frederick and Benjamin arrived at the police station in Eastlake. So they got arrested, you know, where the accident, you know, where they, the accident was. Yeah. But and then they had to go to another police station. They had to go to that police station and get transferred to this Eastlake. So at that point, it was 2 a.m. Okay. Here, here, Frederick would tell police he was high and paranoid at the time he robbed the store. After they were confronted with the facts, Lewis gave police. Both Frederick and Benjamin refused to speak further with the police. Court documents stated a Lake County jury found Frederick guilty of one count of aggravated murder with two aggravated circumstances, two counts of attempted aggravated murder, one count felonious assault, one count aggravated robbery plus counts had specific firearm things added. Yeah. And, and the courts adopted the jury recommendation of the death sentence. Wow. Which he was put to death, I believe. Wow. Um, so looking into this further, I seen that Frederick appealed in 2000. And on January 3rd, 2001, the appeals court affirmed Frederick's conviction and the death, death sentence stating they concluded that the penalty imposed in the case was neither excessive nor disproportionate when compared to other cases, because he's like, I shouldn't get the death penalty. Okay. I shouldn't be put to death. Frederick then again appealed in 2010. And on July 13th, 2010, the appeals court again affirmed his conviction and the death sentence. And then in 2013, he was put to death by lethal injection. Wow. Looking oh. into Friday. Go ahead. I forget that Ohio has the death penalty for some reason. Yep. Yeah. Looking into Frederick further, I found two days prior to him killing Henry Dupree, Frederick and Benjamin were in Livonia, Michigan. Oh. 
where he shot and killed a local video store owner. Oh. And I'm I'm not going to pronounce the name correct, so I'm going to spell it, and you can try. Because okay. I think it's Hassan. It's G-H-A-S-S-A-N. Yeah, maybe. Dano. D-A-N-O. Okay. And critically injured Frank Dano. In a hometownlife.com article, it stated Frederick and Benjamin were on a multi-state crime spree at the time, committing robberies, rapes, murder, and stealing cars. They had also robbed, um, based on the article, a motel in Plymouth, Michigan. In the article, I found Benjamin had pleaded guilty of all their crimes um, and then he did that because he did, he's, it spared him from the death penalty and he got 40 years to life. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I've heard before about people that are like, well, you know, like I'll do this or that, but I have to be tried in whatever state doesn't have the death penalty like Michigan. You know? Right. Yeah. Oh, and, so he actually had a, a really long history of this. Right. This wasn't a one-off. Right. Oh, no. As for Keisha Hearth and Anthony Williams, they were both charged with one count each of complicity to aggravated murder, complicity to attempted aggravated murder, along with complicity to aggregated robbery and fleeing police. Wow. So hot. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it was interesting you know, it's so hard sometimes to just find information. It took me a long time to figure out what happened to Keisha and Anthony. Oh, I bet. And I, and I, I pretty much figured that it was because Frederick and Benjamin, man, they, they did some shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and the other two must not. So they're not as interesting. So why talk about them? Yeah. Yeah, really. I feel like if it wasn't like something yeah, sensational enough that somebody, some journalist thought to put it in somewhere that, yeah, you'll never find it. So I do for next week, I am going to do the one that I've, finally that I read the library book about called Mary. I think it's called Mary Jane's Ghost. And I was like three fourths through the book when I found out that they contacted a paranormal um uh, TV show called Dead Files. So then I have to, of course, watch the Dead Files. But then I finally put it all together, and I'll tell you about it next week. It's a double murder. But now that I have, now that I've, you know, got the Disney Plus, I've been searching Disney Plus for the word Michigan, and we have a few paranormal things because I'm going to do a paranormal article. But most of it's true crime. Yeah, I didn't even know. That kind of stuff was on Disney Plus. I have Disney. Oh, Plus. Discovery Plus. Oh, Discovery. Yeah, I had to get Discovery Plus so I could watch the Dead Files, and then we went to go watch it on Michael's PlayStation. And Discovery Plus is no longer an app on the PlayStation. I have to watch it on my laptop, or like if I had a, you know an iPad. 
So I was like, if I'm paying for this shit, I'm using it. I searched the word Michigan and so much stuff popped up. And I was like, well, let me do the paranormal first. I'm like, murder, 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 murder. A lot of Kelly Cochran, murder, murder, murder. (laughs) (laughs) I probably it's going to be the next two episodes. I'm doing updates. um, Because guess what's coming up finally? What's coming up? The Roden family um trials the wagner trials for the people that killed the Roden family one starts in august and one starts in october because remember i'd done that update where the mom and the son not the one that had the kid okay um play guilty already oh wow the one that had the kid i think maybe it was the one that gets it gets so confusing because all their names are the same right (laughs) okay i think it was the one with the kid all right was it was the one that with the kid and the mom they pled guilty said they were going to um testify against the other two and so the dad and the other son that wasn't the son with the kid pled not guilty so it's their trials and the not and great they're both their names are both george so their names are both george nice george jr yeah. or george the third or something yeah and it's it's so confusing when you're leave, reading news articles like which one are you talking about yeah for real I mean, dad's called you know billy but people don't use that in their damn articles oh yeah they don't call him by you just say father so, yeah. so when I'm writing it, I'm like the father. <laughs> right. And then there was this one news art update. Yeah. Um, because they had talked about, you know, wanting to save him, himself. One of the Georges saved themselves from the death penalty and stuff. And I'm like, which one are you talking about? <laughs> For real? <laughs> I have no idea. I have yeah. no idea. It's so freaking confusing. It shouldn't even be that confusing, but. But so that's coming up finally. Nice. All right, cool. I'd like to yeah, hear the conclusion of that one. Yeah, so I finally have got my shit together. I'm back in my groove. I got the Mary Jane ghost one, the double murder Mary Jane and Stanley Skridlow were murdered. I'm going to tell you about the stuff about, I read in the book that I read online and that I watched on Discovery+. Plus. I'm going to be ready for it. Sweet. I'll be ready for the Roden family update. I don't know if any of us are going to can be ready for that one. That is a tough one. All right. Then I will talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.